the CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... each day at precisely the same time. To wait till your cell door is open for you. To emerge on command. To walk single file with others to the dining hall. To sit down when told to. Finish at an appointed time. Then march out to some designated place to perform a predetermined task. And the whole day drags on like that. All ordered and prescribed by someone else. Small wonder that Nathaniel Hawthorne called prison the black flower of society. How's he taking it? Pretty good for a kid. A kid? He's 19. Yeah, first offender. He'll come around. Wants to go home. Yeah, they all do. Yeah, wants to see his father. His father? Yeah, that's what he says. His father's the one that put him here. Our mystery drama, The Apparition was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Christopher Tabori and Marion Seldes. I'll be back shortly with Act One. try to concoct an image of prison, the first thing that comes to my mind is doors. Doors constantly unlocked and locked again. And between the two sounds of unlocking and locking, the loud metallic clanging of doors. Your mother's here. Oh. In the visitor's room. Sure. You got ten minutes. Oh, I, I know. The warden told me. Well, I don't know how you managed it. You must have an in with the warden. <laughs> no, no. No, yeah, or your mother has. Oh, no. So how come? I asked for it. Ask the warden or your mother. Both. <laughs> well, it's a special dispensation. I hope you know that. Oh, I know it. Okay, hold up. Step aside. Go ahead. Go on in. Daddy? Hi, Mom. Ten minutes, Mrs. Mercer. Uh, officer, couldn't we talk, uh, you know, alone? Uh, it's against the rules. Oh. oh, all right. You're looking good, Mom. So are you, Danny. They're treating you all right? Oh, not too bad for a jail. It was nice of the warden to let me come up outside regular visiting days. He says you kept pestering him. I, I did. It's important. Mom, how is he? How's who? Pop, your husband, my father. What do you think? Your father's fine, Danny. He's fine. You wouldn't tell me if he wasn't, would you? If he was sick, you wouldn't tell well, me, of right? Of course, I'd tell you. Why wouldn't I tell you? He's fine. He goes to work every day. Does he ever ask about me? Sure he does. What does he ask about me? Well, how you are. How you look. You know. Does he ever ask you how I feel? How you feel. 
Say to you if I understand what you mean, Danny. I don't know if I know either. Nobody expects you to feel good about being in jail. No, I don't feel too good about that. But I had it coming, I guess. You did, Danny. You really did. And I think you're taking it very well. You have a good attitude. Yeah. Well, how's Roy? Oh, Roy's doing just fine. He got a promotion at the store. He's head of the department now. Oh, Roy's a real credit to us. Yeah. And you will be too, Danny, once you've paid your debt to society and come back home. I guess. You're, you're sure that Pop's all right? But I told you, he's fine. You're sure about that? Well, of course I'm sure. I live with him, don't I? I see him every day. I look after yeah, him. but you haven't noticed anything wrong with him. I mean, lately, he hasn't... Look funny or anything? Your father looks the way he's always looked. Not tired or pale, not working too hard, maybe? He's fine. He's perfectly fine. What is the matter with you, Danny? I just got this feeling. And is that what you got me up here to ask me? If your father's working too hard? No, no, not exactly. It takes two hours to get here, you know, and two hours back, and the bus ride from the station. No, I know that. And it costs money. No, I know, I know. And all I... that time, and all that money, just as you could ask me about your father's health, you could have wrote that in a letter. Yeah, but... Well, you think I wouldn't know if your father's sick? Oh, I, I guess you would. You think I'm going to write to you every time he has the sniffles? Pop's got the sniffles? <laughs> He's got a runny nose, so what? Yeah, what's he doing for it? Well, what does anybody do for a runny nose? He wipes it. Yeah, it could get worse. It could turn into a cold. So what? Stop saying so what. It could get serious. Well, since when has a cold been something serious? You don't know. You can't be sure. He could get very sick, very, very sick. You have to take care of him. I do take care. He could die. Do you know that? He could get sick and die. And I'd never see him again. I'd never have a chance to talk to him or anything. He'd just be gone. It'd be all over. Danny. He's my father. And he could die because nobody was there to take care of him. It's terrible. It's awful. Hey there. What's going on? He just started to shout at me. I didn't say anything. Well, you'd better leave, ma'am. I'll take care of him. Yes, I think I'd better. And I'd better stop off and speak to the warden. Yes, you do that, ma'am. Ah, come on now, boy. Pull yourself together. Let's go. Officer, I want to tell you something. My father's going to die. And I'll never see him again. Come in, Mrs. Mercer. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Devola, ma'am. Mr. Devola, the, um, the, the man, the one that brought my son in, uh, down there in the visitor's room. Uh, correction Officer Quinn. Yes, he said it would be all right if I asked to see you. Come right over here and sit down. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Devola. Now, what can I do for you? Well, first of all, Mr. Devola, I want to thank you for letting me see Danny outside regular visiting days. It's very nice of you. And I want to express my appreciation. Your son was very insistent. I know. I know, and I don't know why. He didn't tell you? No. Didn't he tell you? He just kept insisting that it was very important. Yeah, he's such a kid. Nice kid. This is his first stretch in jail, so... It was very nice of you. And I hope it was worth it. You mean you think maybe it wasn't? Well, of course it was nice seeing my son. I thought he looked really good. But it's a long trip for me here, two hours each way, and the bus, and it costs money. I'm glad to do it, naturally, but I just don't know what this trip was for, unless... Yes? Unless what? Mr. DeVolta, I'm not sure Danny is quite right in the head. Really? I don't mean he's crazy or anything like that. 
I've never seen any signs of Danny being unbalanced. Well, is it all right if I tell you what he wanted to see me about? Yes, I wish you would. He wanted to know if his father was all right. And near as I could make out, that's all he wanted. He just wanted to know his father wasn't sick. So I told him his father was fine, going to work every day, a little case of the sniffles, and that's all. Well, Danny got very excited, and he said the sniffles could turn into a cold. <laughs> that doesn't sound very alarming. Well, it isn't. It isn't. But for Danny, it was like life or death. That's how upset he got. And to tell you the truth, I kind of lost my patience a little bit. After all, I know how to take care of my husband. If I know anything, I know that. And I said as much, and then Danny started screaming at me and yelling about how his father could die. Well, he, he scared me, Mr. DeVoe. He really scared me. And that man, that officer, the one that brought him in. Uh, Mr. Quinn. He came over, and he told Danny to quiet down, said I'd better leave. He'd take care of things. And I said I thought I'd better try to see you, and Mr. Quinn said I should do that, and he started to take Danny out. But Mr. DeVoe, while he was taking Danny out, Danny looked up at him, and I heard him say, Officer... My father is going to die, and I'll never see him again. Well, that's why I'm here, Mr. DeVola, because I don't think my son is in his right mind. He's brooding about his father, is that it? Yes, but... His father's responsible for his being in jail. Well, yes. His father thought it would teach him a lesson, that he needed a lesson. Now, I don't know if it was the right thing to do. I think it was. Well, I don't know. You wouldn't want him to go through life forging checks, would you? Well, no. Then but somebody's I... got to teach him that forging checks doesn't pay off. Well, he wanted a car. Everybody else had a car. And he wanted one. So he forged his father's name to a check. Well, he thought he could pay the money back. He was working after school and weekends. So he could have waited till he had the money saved up and then bought the car. But he didn't want to wait that long. I know, I know. So he forged his father's name and he got caught. And that's what happened, isn't it? That's what happened, all right. His father could have let it go, overlooked the whole thing, but he didn't. He pressed charges. Against his own son. And got a conviction. Well, my husband has always been very strict. You call it being strict not to let his son get away with forging a check? Well, he, he could have, well, you know, given him a good talking to, taken away his privileges for a while. Uh, he... Could have done that. Maybe that would have been better. Better than this. I'll tell you, Mrs. Mercer. I have a boy of my own. And if he'd done what Danny did, I haven't the slightest idea what I'd have done. You haven't? Probably what your husband did. After all, I'm on the side of the law. But what are we going to do about Danny now? He's got this thing in his head about his father. And nothing I say seems to do any good. I'll tell you what. We have a psychiatrist here. Psychiatrist? Yes, Dr. Johnson. Danny isn't crazy. Well, lots of people talk to psychiatrists who aren't crazy, Mrs. Mercer. Lots of people who aren't crazy should. And you think Danny should talk to this head doctor? Mm, wouldn't do him any harm. It might do him some good. If you say so, I'll set it up. Well, all right. I'll take your word for it, Mr. DeVola. I trust you. And anyway... There's nobody else. Well, you go on back home now and try not to worry. I'll try. That's the ticket. We'll try and straighten him out for you. Thank you, Mr. DeVolver. Thank you very much. Don't mention it. Uh, get me Dr. Johnson. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Johnson, this warden DeVolver, doctor... Will you try and get around to seeing Danny Mercer 
Number 378572. He's only 19, first offender. Forged his father's name into a check to buy a car. to instruct you in the rearing of children. The precarious balance parents should strike between permissiveness and discipline. No one, least of all myself, has enough knowledge for that. No, this is the simple story of a young man who signed his father's name to a check. Though perhaps it's not quite so simple as all that. After all, its title is The Apparition. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. tells us that obsession is the persistent and disturbing intrusion of or anxious and unescapable preoccupation with an idea or emotion. But that is the second definition given by Webster's New International Dictionary. The first is the act of a devil or a spirit in besetting a person. Which one better suits Danny's preoccupation with his father's well-being, I leave to you. Sit down, Danny. Thank you, Warden. Cigarette? Oh, no, I, I don't smoke. Good for you. I wish I didn't. Uh, you've been seeing Dr. Johnson, have you? I saw him once. Yes. I'm sorry he can't get around to you more often, but one psychiatrist for 1,600 men... Oh, I know, I know. He's a busy man. Did you like him? Well, I liked him okay. Just okay? Seems like a nice guy. He sent me a report of his session with you. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's proper, but uh, would you like me to read it to you? If you want to. You don't seem especially interested. Well, I'm worried about my father. I know you are, Danny. But your father's all right. Right now he is. That's what Dr. Johnson's report is all about. He doesn't know my father. No. But it's his impression that you're obsessed with your father's health. Obsessed? I don't know if I'm obsessed, but I think about it all the time. Well, maybe that's what an obsession is. Something you think about all the time. Then I'm obsessed. You admit it, do you? Well, sure, why not? I don't see what difference it makes what you call things. Dr. Johnson has names for practically everything. But it doesn't keep me from worrying about my father to tell me I'm obsessed. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And now there's something else in his report that I'd like to talk over with you, if you don't mind. I don't mind. It's about the nature of your crime. The reason for your being here. Forging my father's name to a check. That's right. By a car. That's right. Now, Dr. Johnson finds it interesting that you forged your father's name. Why your father's name? I don't know. It just... just seemed logical. Logical? You must have known he discovered the forgery. Yeah. That was dumb. I, I wasn't thinking about that part of it. If he'd have bought me the car for a present, he'd have signed a check. So when it came to me buying a car for myself, I don't know. 
just seemed logical to sign his name. Like he was buying it for me. It's very stupid. I can see that now. That's what I did. When you forged his name on the check, did you feel like you were your father? Huh? Doing what your father should have done? Acting like a father? Being a father? A married man with children? Oh, I, I could never be anything like my father. Why not? I, ju I just couldn't, that's all. Well, if you stay out of jail and go to work, you'll probably end up a married man with children. I guess. Maybe. Dr. Johnson thinks you could turn out that way. You don't seem very interested. But I, ju I just keep thinking about my father. About being like him? No. About him being sick. <laughs> I could never be like my father. My father would never do anything like I did. Like forging a check. Going to jail, the whole bit. Oh, no, my father would never do anything like that. Other things, maybe? Oh, no. My father would never do anything that's wrong. I wish I knew how he is. You think they'd let me know, don't you? I mean, if he got sick? I'm sure they would. Oh, then that's okay. Was there anything else, Borden, that you wanted to say? Uh, no, I guess not. But Dr. Johnson will be in to see you again this week. Okay. I hope you'll talk to him. Tell him what's on your mind. Nothing's on my mind. Except is my father all right? <laughs> to see me, Warden. I, uh, uh, got a few minutes, Quinn. Well, sure. I have here another report from Dr. Johnson on young Danny Mercer. Uh, do you know anything about Danny's brother? Well, name's Roy. That's about as much as I know about him. He's older than Danny by about ten years. Oh? Well, Danny doesn't hardly ever mention him. Oh? Well, maybe I was wrong. Or Johnson was. Or both. Well, he hardly ever says anything about anybody except his father. And how his father's feeling. How's he been lately? I had Danny, I mean. Oh, all right. Model prisoner. I think he'll get his parole when it comes up. Well, that's not until next year. Of course, there's, uh, the accidents. What accidents? Nobody told me about any accidents. No, they weren't anything serious. They fixed him up in the infirmary. No trouble. Well, what were they? Well, when he was working in the kitchen, he burned himself a couple of times. Spilled hot grease on his leg once. Boiling water another time. Second degree burns both times. I hope he's not still working in the kitchen. Well, we transferred him to the laundry. He got his hand caught in the mangle. One of the other cons turned off the current so there wasn't much harm done. But we shifted him to outdoor work. Figured he can't do himself much harm with a broom. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, he's a nice kid, you know. Yes, I know. I wish my son worried that much about me. Johnson says something here about guilt feelings. Well, that stuff is way over my head. Mine, too. Now, this was Johnson's idea, not mine. Uh, what idea was that? To suggest Danny's brother coming up here to see him. Maybe talk him out of this. This obsession he has about his father. Being so much older, Johnson thought maybe he could convince him his father's okay. Well, his mother couldn't, and she's a lot older than either of them. Also, she thinks he's a little 
Well, you know, unhinged. Well, maybe he is. A little. Well, anyway, I made the suggestion to the mother, and she thought it was a good idea. Okay, as far as she was concerned. And she talked to the brother, and, well, the upshot of all that is that he's coming. Oh? Well, that's good, I guess. Who knows about these things? Not me. It's not exactly my area of expertise, either. But Dr. Johnson thinks it might be a good idea, so the brother's coming. And that's why I want to talk to you. To me? It seems the brother, uh, what's his name? Roy. Uh, he can't get here until around seven, a little after. What was a bus and all. Ah, so you want me to wait around until he gets here. I know you like to get home and have dinner with your wife. Well, I'll call her. I hope she understands. <laughs> She's pretty good at understanding and I've talked to her about Danny a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yes, she's very sympathetic. Well, women, you know. <laughs> As a matter of fact, she said to ask you if I could uh, bring him home for dinner some night. Are you asking me? Uh, well, not just yet. Let's wait and see how he makes out with his brother. How his brother makes out with him is what I mean, I guess. Right. Now, Roy should get here by a little after seven. Allow him 20 minutes, half an hour with Danny, then terminate it. Okay? Okay. Nice to see you, Roy. <laughs> I had a heck of a time getting here. It's a long trip. <laughs> Two hours. Wow. <laughs> that wouldn't have been so bad, but the train was late and I, and I missed the bus. <laughs> had to wait for the next one. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Who's that guy standing over there in the uniform? Well, that's Mr. Quinn. What is he? A guard or something? A correction officer. That's what they call them. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> good to see you, old buddy. <laughs> it's good to see you. Listen, Roy, how's, uh, how's Dad doing? I'm, I, look, you know, I, I should have come up before, but I, I thought as long as Mom is coming regularly... Yeah, but Pop it's... hasn't been up at all. Well, you know, he... He has the business to run. He still goes to the office. Every day. We leave the house together. Eight o'clock sharp. Walk to work. <laughs> Nothing like it for keeping you in shape. Nice brisk walk, too. You know, none of this schlumping along like some people do, you know. Yeah. Then he's all right, huh? Would he be walking three miles to work if he wasn't all right? Oh, I guess not. Of course not. He drops me off at the store, then he goes on to his office. <laughs> Say, did I tell you that I got a promotion? Your mom told me. The head of the department. Men's haberdashery. Haberdashery, huh? Got 12 people under me. You're absolutely positive Pop's all right. Danny, he's all right. Now, don't start in, please. Mom said he had the sniffles. Well, for Pete's sake, who doesn't get the sniffles once in a while? You know, what with the change in the weather. I just worry. Say, did I tell you we walk home together, too? You do? No, nobody told me that. No matter what the weather is. We walk both ways. Yeah, but pretty soon it's going to get cold. So we walk a little faster. <laughs> keep the old circulation going. Yeah, but pretty soon it's going to start snowing. Yeah, what? What's a little snow? Good for yeah, you. Yeah, for you maybe it's good, but Pop's not a young man. Now listen, Danny, don't start in with that stuff. You darn near drove Mom up the wall when she was here. That's why they asked me to come this time. Who asked you? Well, I don't know. Somebody. He, he talked to Mom. I didn't talk to him myself personally. Probably Mr. Devola. Well, who's he? He's the warden. Or could have been Dr. Johnson. 
Well, who's Dr. Johnson? For the prison. They got you going to a shrink? I've only seen him a few times. He says I've got an obsession about Pop, about his health. I guess he's right. That's what I got. Well, get rid of it. I can't. What do you mean, you can't? I can't get rid of it. It stays with me all the time. <laughs> Listen, it's all a matter of willpower. Just say to yourself, I'm going to get rid of this thing, and you'll get rid of it. I don't know if I can. You know, I'm a great believer in willpower. I don't even know if I want to. There. There, you see? You don't want to. That's your trouble. You don't want to. I mean, if you wanted to, you'd get rid of it. But you don't want to. Now, you want to hang on to it. Why? Will you give me your sacred word of honor that Pop's all right? Look, he's fine. He's fine. How many times do I have to tell you? You wouldn't lie to me. Look, will it make you happy if he comes up to see you? Would he do that? Yeah, I think he would. Oh, yes. It'd be good if he'd do that. Okay. Okay, I'll tell him. As soon as he gets over his cold, he'll hop on a train it's and... cold. He's got a cold? Well, a little cold, nothing much. Mom said he had the sniffles. She didn't say anything about a cold. Well, it developed into a cold. Well, well what's he doing for it? Is he taking something? Well, I guess he is. You guess. Don't you know? What's he taking? I don't know. Whatever people take for cold. Is he in bed? Is he keeping himself warm in bed? One day. He went to bed for one day. One day. Well, now he's up and around again. Listen, I'm sorry I mentioned... Nobody tells me these things. Listen, you make him get back to bed. You tell him to stay there till he gets well, completely well. Oh, Danny, take it because easy. Because if you don't you? tell him, you tell him I said he should. Because if he doesn't, he's going to die. You hear me? He's going to die. Can't you get that through your head? G guard, uh, officer, g get him away from me. Get him away. conviction that something is true when there is no evidence that it is true. Does an obsession dispense with evidence, with logic, with all reasonableness? I think it does, and therein lies its power. Perhaps the primary definition in the dictionary is the correct one. An obsession is the act of a devil in besetting a person. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. take it for granted that the parent is concerned for the child when the two are separated for whatever reason. What is not so readily accepted is that the child can feel the same anxiety for the well-being of the parent. This bond, this communication that binds the two so closely is no more and no less than love. Sit down, Quinn. Okay, Mr. Dabola. I, uh, I've sent for young Danny Mercer. Yeah? And I wanted you to be here. Oh? You know him better than I do. Oh, well, maybe. I uh, I see him more. Uh, how is he, by the way? How does he seem to you? Oh, fine. He seems fine. He's expecting a visit from his mother this afternoon. What? This afternoon? Today? Which well, the regular visiting day. Oh, yes, that's right. It is. I just didn't think that she'd come today. She's pretty faithful about visits. Except that once when his brother showed up. If his mother is coming up today, if she really shows... Oh, any... she will. 
Well, she may not. But if she does, then she can tell him. Well, tell him what? Of course, it's really my job to tell him now. Really can't wait. His father's dead, Quinn. His father's dead? I had a call from his brother this morning. Oh, boy. Oh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to be here. I've got no way of telling how he'll take it. Well, I don't either. Seems his father had this cold. Then it went into bronchitis, and he kept on going to work and all, and seems he had this pneumonia for a couple of days before he let them put him to bed. Oh, I've heard of that. Ambulatory pneumonia, they call it. He was a tough old guy, I gotta... Well, he put his own son in jail. It ought to be tough to do something like that. Uh-uh, that's him. Probably. So stick around now. Oh, I will learn. Don't worry. Come in. You wanted to see me, Warden? Uh, yes, I, I did, Danny. Come on in. Course, you know, Officer Quinn. Hi there, Denny. Did I do something? No, no, no. Now sit down, Denny. We, uh... We have some... Uh... News for you. Something you should know. About my father? Hmm. Uh, yes. It's about your father. My father died. He died this morning. That's it, isn't it? He died this morning about 8 o'clock. Well, how, how did you know, Danny? Who told you? Well, nobody told me. Well, then, how did you know? I was there. You were there when your father died? I was sitting right by his bed. Well, it wasn't his bed, his regular bed. Generally slept in a big double bed with my mother in their room. When he got so sick, they moved him into Roy's room. And that's where he was when I got there. In Roy's room? And Roy has a single bed. Oh, I see. And that's where my father was when I walked in. I see. Is there anything else you want to tell us, Denny? Well, uh, it's a little bed. But then Roy's room is kind of a little room. Uh-huh. But it has two windows in it. They face east, and the sun was coming through the windows. Lots of it. I was glad about that. My father likes... Uh, my father always liked the sun. Uh-huh. And Roy's room has very plain white curtains at the windows. Mm-hmm. The same kind. The sun shines right through. Makes it very cheerful, you know? Mm. And my mother put these yellow sheets on the bed. That made it even more cheerful. I see. When I walked through the door, my father looked up at me. He saw me. I said, hi, Pop. And my father, he smiled at me. Well, did he... Did he say anything? Yeah. He said, Oh, my dear boy, I'm so glad to see you. Was anybody else in the room, Danny? My mother was there, of course. I think Roy had gone out to get a prescription filled. Go on. I walked over to my father's bed. I stood there and he looked up and he smiled at me. And I took his hand and I held it. 
and I put my face down very close to his because I thought it might be hard for him to talk, being so sick and all. Yes? He had to whisper. He was pretty weak by then. But I heard him okay. He said, uh, he said, are you all right? And I nodded yes. And he nodded a little back at me. And then he closed his eyes and he died. I see. So then I came back here. Well, I, uh... I guess that's all, Danny. I... I got you up here to tell you. Well, never mind. You can go back now if you want to. Okay. Oh, my mother's coming up this afternoon. Yes, I know. Oh, Danny, you... You want me to go with you? Now, you stay here, Quinn. I want you here. I can go back by myself. Danny, I want to tell you that I'm awfully sorry about your father. So am I. Really sorry, Dan. I... I knew it was going to happen. But I'm glad I was there when it did. Well... What was I supposed to say? Ah, uh, darn if I know. I couldn't think of anything. I tell you what. When his mother gets here, don't be obvious about it. Just sort of watch her face. You know what I mean? Well, I think so. Yeah, she looks, you know, perturbed, upset or anything. But then you might step in and... Uh. And what? The heck, I don't know. Tell her what happened here in this office. Tell her the boy's hallucinating or whatever it is he's doing. Well, maybe he won't do it with her. Hallucinate or whatever. Hell, maybe it was just this one time. Maybe he'll have come to by the time he sees her. Maybe. I hope so. Anyway, after she leaves, no matter what happens... Or it doesn't happen. I want you to report back to me. Understand? Got it. Then I'll decide if I should call in Dr. Johnson. Uh, I can't think of anything better to do. Can you? Well, what happened? Nothing, Warden. I mean, with Danny Mercer and his mother. She she came up, didn't she? Oh, sure. Well? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. What was it like? Well, you were there, weren't you? Oh, yeah, I was there. Well, what happened? <laughs> Nothing happened. I took him into the visitor's room, and they talked. You think she told him his father died? She must have. Well, I guess she did. I couldn't tell. I couldn't hear anything either one of them said, even if I tried, which I didn't. I couldn't have. They were both very quiet, very controlled. Nobody cried or carried on or anything. They just talked. She stayed the whole hour. Well, then she left and I took him back. And that's all? That's all. Oh, except one thing. Uh, Danny said, did I think you'd let him go home for his father's funeral? It's... 
Day after tomorrow. Well, of course he can go to his own father's funeral. I told him I was sure he could. Uh, well, what do we do now? Nothing, maybe. Who is it? It's Mrs. Mercer. Daddy's mother. I thought you said she left. Well, she did. Come in. Oh, Mr. DeVoe, I... Uh, come in, come in, but Mrs. Mercer. I didn't know that Mr. Quinn was with you. Well, that's all right. I could wait. No, no, no. Sit down, Mrs. Mercer. I've been wanting to talk to you. Uh, take this chair, Mrs. Mercer. Thank you. I, I got all the way to the bus, and then I remembered you must have thought me terribly ungrateful, Mr. Tavola. Ungrateful? Why should you be grateful to me? For letting Danny come home. Oh, you mean for the funeral? Well, of course he can go home. Oh, that's good. Danny said he'd ask about it. No, I wanted to thank you for letting Danny come home this morning. It meant a lot to him to see his father before he died. And I think it meant a lot to his father, too. <laughs> Everything happened so quickly. Yes, your son told me. On the phone, your other son. Oh, Roy told you all about it, did he? He didn't tell me Danny was there. Oh, but Roy was out of the house at the time. My husband and I were alone in the room. And Danny just appeared in the doorway. My husband looked up and there he was. And my husband said, Oh, my dear son, I'm so glad to see you. And then Danny went over to the bed and took his father's hand, and they just looked at each other for a while. Danny leaned over, and his father whispered something in his ear. But I couldn't make out what he said. You said, are you all right? What? Nothing. Never mind. It, it was nothing. Well, whatever he said, Danny nodded. So I guess everything was okay between the two of them. I guess it was. I'd better be going. I've already missed one bus. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Mercer, this is going to sound silly, maybe, but would you tell me, please, the bed your husband was lying in, did it have yellow sheets? Yes. <laughs> now, how in the world would you know that? Oh, oh, I know. Danny must have told you. <laughs> Well, I must be on my way. And thank you about the funeral. Danny will be there. His father would want him there. So, thank you again. It's nothing. Believe me, nothing at all. Quinn, did you ever hear of St. Alphonsus de Licori? Well, I go to Mass on Sunday. That's about all. My parents came over here from Arezzo. So I know a lot about St. Alphonsus. Arezzo. That's in Italy. Mm. This happened in 1774. Alphonsus was in jail in Arezzo for demonstrating or something, probably. And he wanted terribly to get out of jail, to go to the bedside of Pope Clement XIV, who was ailing. He woke up after a five-day fast and told everybody that he'd been there when the Pope died. He dreamed it. Mm, that's what you want to think. But he described the whole thing. Who'd been there? Cardinals, bishops. He knew what the room looked like. The bed, the carpet, the draperies. And everything was absolutely accurate. The cardinals confirmed it. And some of them said they'd seen Alphonsus there. Standing by the bedside of the Pope. <laughs> Thank you.
Philadelphia make of it? Alphonsus of Liquori was later canonized, declared a saint. And his appearance at the bedside of a dying pope while simultaneously imprisoned in Arezzo may be the miracle, or one of them, that earned him that distinction. But what of Danny Mercer? What of him? I'll be back shortly. in the habit of presenting you with miracles, we are not even certain that there are such things. Perhaps miracles are only phenomena which as yet have no sensible explanation. And heaven knows the world is full of things like that. Our cast included Christopher Tabori, Marion Seldes, Lloyd Batista, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.